This season of Smashing the Ceiling is brought to you by the Skylark Collective. Skylark is a new London-based network for women in podcasting, and this year we'll be hosting the inaugural International Women's Podcast Awards at the Albright in London. The collective exists to raise the voices of women in podcasting, both behind the mic and behind the scenes, and to showcase the work of women out there producing incredible audio moments through the medium of podcasting. So if you've got your own podcast or you're thinking of starting one, head to our website at skylarkcollective.co.uk for more information or follow us on socials at the Skylark Collective. Now, on with the show. I think it's important that you connect with people and you have so many different types of relationships. And I think that you have to remember that you're not a one-man island. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Smashing the Ceiling with me, Naomi Mella. On this podcast, we love to showcase the lives of women who have achieved amazing things in their careers, those who've got a really cool or unusual job, and some who've just had a really interesting life. If you're looking for inspiration for your career, if you feel a little stuck or bored with what you're doing right now, or if you're in search of the road less travelled job-wise, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I sit down with one woman to dig a little deeper into the how of it all. How did they get where they are? How did they pick themselves up when things didn't go right? And how their mentors, mistakes and motivations have led them to achieve the things they have. We hear so much about side hustles and entrepreneurship these days, and it seems that every second person on social media is starting a successful new business and scaling it to seven figures from their kitchen table. But if you've had an idea, how do you get started? How do you balance your day job and the need to earn a living with launching a new venture? What's the best way to go about that, and why does it seem so damned easy for other people when you're finding it pretty hard? If these questions have ever popped into your head, then this episode is for you. Elizabeth Agabi has balanced life in the corporate world with founding and progressing multiple businesses, both in London and Lagos in Nigeria. She's worked in communications for some of the world's most successful companies, whilst also being a super inspirational entrepreneur. Liz is a huge supporter of women in business and always knew that she wanted to make a positive change in the world. In 2016, she founded For Working Ladies, a digital media platform focused on equipping women with the information and tools they need to start a successful business. Most recently, she co-founded Lycor.com, a community network focused on accelerating women within organisations into leadership roles. Whether it's starting a side hustle, breaking through the corporate glass ceiling, or pursuing full-time entrepreneurship, Liz's ultimate goal is focused on the advancement and economic empowerment of women. Her new book, Side Hustle in Progress, is a brilliant practical guide to kick-starting your business, and is well worth a read if you're starting something new this year. I really enjoyed it and took so much good stuff out of it, so I would definitely recommend it. She also has a, a successful podcast, How I Made It Happen, and we chatted a little about podcasting later in the interview. This conversation is packed full of entrepreneurial and business wisdom, so enjoy. So I grew up in between London and Kent because we moved um, just as I became a teenager. Um, in terms of career aspirations... I wanted to be so many things. Um, I wanted to be a TV presenter, then I wanted to be a lawyer, then I wanted to be a singer, <laughs> so many things. I wanted to write a book. 
um, I never really had one core thing that I wanted to be, but I knew that I wanted to do um, something significant. Um, I wanted to be a change maker and um, I wanted to be known for um, doing good work. So I think that has always been like the focus um, for me. And then as I started growing up, I then realized that I would love to do work where I would support women because I was mentoring girls from about um, from about 18 for about five years. So I knew that I wanted to work with um, girls and women. I didn't know how I would then, but I knew I wanted to. Um, I knew I wanted to own my own business and yeah. And then as a little girl, I mean, I can't lie. I, I did dream about being married, my husband owning a business too, having four kids, which I don't have <laughs> and so many other things. But um, yeah, but that was mainly my focus, just doing something significant. I didn't really have that dream profession. Well, of that list you gave at the beginning, you've you've done a law degree and you've written a book. So you've ticked off a few from your, uh, <laughs> from your list. <laughs> exactly. So were your, um, were your parents kind of quite, you know, you mentioned the word change maker there. Were they kind of into activism and kind of encouraging you to think big, I guess, Liz? Because we often talk about how your um, aspirations are shaped in childhood, which so often comes from people's families and, and the people around them. Did they kind of encourage you to think big and to know that your career could be something really significant? My mum has always been a leader. Um, you know, I was thinking about when I first came to understand, um, you know, the lack of equality that women have, and it definitely wasn't at home because I never experienced that. My mum was so much of a leader. She had several different side hustles, actually, and like different jobs that she was doing apart from her main job. She also had a business and she was also, um, she's, she's an amazing host. So people used to invite her to um, host events. I mean, growing up in a Nigerian household, your parents always tell you to aspire high. You have to come number one in class. You have to do really well. You have to be really brilliant. So there's that. Um, so there was definitely that encouragement in regards to education. Um, but in regards to life, I think that my mom was definitely someone who was always supporting and helping people um, from so many different things for someone who wants to find a partner, for someone who needs to work on the immigration status. She was always helping people. So maybe it could have been that that influenced me, to be honest. She sounds like an incredible woman. <laughs> she is, she is. I mean, my friends love her. <laughs> but she is. But um, yeah, I was definitely inspired by her, not even knowing, actually. I think it's just now that I'm reflecting on it. it she definitely did inspire me to be who I am. So you mentioned there from the age of 18 that you were mentoring uh, younger women from a very early age. How did you get into that? And what was it that at quite a young age attracted you to be a mentor and to give you the confidence to do so? Because I think that's quite young to recognise that you have skills and talents that can encourage and nurture other young women. Yeah, so I used to um, go to church and afterwards they had a youth club and the youth club was mixed um, and naturally the girls, because I was one of the youth club leaders, naturally the girls would always come to me for, for advice. And then I officially then became 
just the youth club leader for the girl section. Like there wasn't a section, but I was, you know, made to mentor them. And they would call me during the week asking for advice, whether it be about school, um, college, just general life mentoring, um, thinking about their career heads. And I loved it. And I guess I really grew a bond with them. I mean, I still talk to them till today. Um, and they've done a great job in promoting my book, actually. Bless them. <laughs> um <laughs> Yes. So I think from there, I kind of knew that the way that girls and boys were being treated was differently and it affected how they thought as well and how they would aspire. So when I realized that and I noticed, I then tried to encourage them to think bigger, to support them through any challenges that they were going through and just to kind of help them figure out um, life as being a young girl. Yeah, and it was just something that I just really, really loved doing. So you went off to do a law degree, but have not worked as a lawyer. What was it that made you realise that that wasn't the path for you, even though educationally that's what you did at university and kind of looked like might be something that you were going to go into at one point, Liz? How did you navigate um, taking that degree and then shifting into something different? My mum studied law and my mum did law. She, so she worked as a lawyer. Going back again, having, you know, being Nigerian um, and just coming from that community, it, it was mainly the accounting or business or law or medicine, one of those things that, and I think generally everyone, to be honest. And so I just picked law and I had done law in college and people always used to say, oh, you're so opinionated. You should study law. So I was just like, okay, maybe that's the thing for me. But during, I think, my first and second year, I did, um, I worked with a lady that owns a PR company. And so I worked with her for one year and I did so many different things from planning events to working on press launches um, to running campaigns. And we actually did a campaign to raise the awareness of females within the arts world. It was then that I realized that, okay, I want to do something within business and not law. And prior to that, I had read this book called um, Business for Dummies. You know, you have those back, the yellow dummies books. books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the yeah, dummies yeah, yeah. book. Exactly. I literally read it from back to front and I really enjoyed it. So I was just like, I want to do something business wise. So I actually did my master's in international business. And during that, I really loved the marketing um, section, marketing and strategy and PR. Um, and that's how I kind of shifted from law into comms because communications was what I actually went into and I think from a business point of view comms and marketing was really my thing. You said PR and marketing was really your thing what was it that appealed about that to you do you think? Yeah it was definitely with the engaging with people understanding people um, getting to work on creative work that would allow you to sell something um, in a creative manner. So definitely like marketing campaigns. And I wanted to do it on a global scale because I studied international business. It spoke about marketing to, to different cultures. And for me, that was fun because it was how do you sell Coke to someone in Africa, someone in Asia, someone in the UK? You would have to use a different language. You'd have a completely different strategy because, you know, of the different nuances as well. So I found that really fun and interesting. So that was kind of how I cut into it. I didn't know much about comms, but I just loved the marketing aspect. Amazing. And at what age did you start your first business? Because you mentioned your mom had always had side hustles. Your book, which we're going to come on to, is called Side Hustle in Progress. Um, what age did you kind of 
start your first side hustle, I suppose, Liz? And and how did you decide what that was going to be? So it was 24. Um, Me and my friend were working at Unilever and then she left before me. Um, she basically started a, a cake company. I guess we'd call it a cake company. So she was baking cakes. Um, but then she wanted to expand um, into working with event managers because that was the way we we're going to get more business and expand from making cakes into making um, sweet stands. So obviously she couldn't do that on her own. And she had the skill of baking. I had the knowledge of marketing. So she asked me to then become her co-founder. So I left my job and started working with her for about um, a year or two. And that was really the first business. And it was it, it was amazing. It, I think it was amazing because it was growing too fast. Yeah, because she designed the cakes in a very unique way. And also the cake stands that we were to do. It was still a new market. So I worked five years in Lagos, Nigeria. So it was still a new market there. And so we did that for about two years. And then I got another job whilst I was doing that. And she kind of felt that she wanted someone full time. And I just said that, you know, I still want to work in the corporate world as well as run a business. I hadn't decided which path I wanted to go down yet. (laughs) And so um, I was doing both at one point and then I just stopped doing the business and went full time into focusing on my communications career. And that was the first, my first business. When I went back into comms at that time, I was working for an investment bank. And then when I left that job, I started another business, which was a communications agency. And then alongside that, I had started for working ladies. But for working ladies, it was more of a hobby than anything. Um, and I started that because there were girls in my old office that were always calling me for advice. And there was a lot of inequality happening literally from top to the bottom from women who were managing directors to the young girls that were coming in and people women were not be treated equally and I could see that Um, and I remember one of the women that was there I remember when she first came in she had so much vim she was really bold she was the um the lady that I'd go to whenever I'd have a work issue and she'd give me so much confidence. She'd give me practical tips on how to solve issues. But when she left, she left so broken. And it just made me think that people are coming into this organization. Women mainly are coming to the organization and they're leaving broken. And I said to myself, if I don't leave when I have the chance, I will also leave broken. And, and I and I did. And I remember I read some research in um, Bain & Company that in the early years, when women go into organizations, about two to three years in, their confidence depletes, whereas the confidence of a man depletes, but not too much. And their aspirations also deplete as well. Um, and it's for many reasons, such as not being supported well enough or not being encouraged or not being praised as their male counterparts. Um, and where I was working then, as I said, I was working Lagos, Nigeria. You know, it's a completely, you know, it's completely different from the UK in terms of progress with gender equality. It's a very male-dominated um, society um, and definitely in the workplace as well. So that, again, was when I realised that, oh, things aren't actually really equal for women. Um, and then that's when... I started looking into gender equality. I started looking into things like feminism and I started saying to myself, you know, with four working ladies, what could I do? And then I, it, it was also my way to 
meet women who had progressed in their careers and interview them and ask them questions. And they then kind of became my mentors. Um, and then also to find a way to encourage other girls, you know, through reading the articles, they would then get tips. They would then, you know, have golden nuggets and understand how they can navigate different situations in their careers. Um, and then it kind of pivoted to business because I saw that more and more women wanted to start a business and most probably didn't have access to those networks or, you know, have access to understanding certain things. And it's not that we lack capability. It was just access to the knowledge, the resource and the networks. And so I kind of pivoted pivoted it to focus more on business. And, you know, it wasn't just women who wanted to go into full-time entrepreneurship, but it was women who had full-time jobs, but still had a desire to create some sort of side hustle. So that's what I then started focusing on, um, interviewing women through my podcast and just understanding how they got started, how they went from not understanding the tech world to understanding it, to building an app, to having a growing business, to raising 4 million. How does that all happen? Um, So yeah, hope that answered your question. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, there's so much to unpack in there. Um, So tell us a little bit, you've mentioned for working ladies a couple of times in there. Um, Tell us a little bit about, for those that don't know, about what that is and um, what your goal was when you were starting that. You touched on one or two things there, but can you just explain what the the platform is and, and what your kind of goals and mission is with for working ladies? Yeah, so I started it in 2016. It was when I left my job at the investment bank. And that was, I started it alongside the communications agency I started. Um, And it was a hobby, like I said. Um, And it had started off as a content-based website. I had ran many blogs prior to that, personal blogs. So I knew how to set up a website and kind of grow it into um, a digital media company. So but I was just writing articles and I had contributing writers. I just contacted loads of different women on LinkedIn. And I said, these are the topics we're focusing on. Would you be interested in writing? And they all agreed before the website had launched. So we had about 20 writers at one point. Um, And we were writing on things um, around work, mental health, business, finance, fashion at one point, you know, what to wear to work. Um, So yeah, we were, it kind of ranged and I realized that, okay, we need to have more focus. People are mainly coming here for the tips on career and business. So it, you know, drilled down to focus on that. And my mission with that really was um, to give people the mentorship that they can't get. A lot of people have said, oh, I need a mentor. I need a mentor. And it was like, you can learn through maybe reading an article um, or, you know, just reading some of the opinion pieces or the advice pieces. And that's how it really started. Um, It was just a hobby because, as I said, I had several blogs before and I thought, okay, let me do something with a bit more purpose and a bit more impact um, as opposed to writing about my personal life. Let me, you know, use that to write about something that could um, help people or help women rather. So that's how it started. And you mentioned when you were talking about the bakery business that that grew very quickly. And I know in your book, you said you ended up being a sort of editor in chief, essentially for 20 writers on this on this website. Um, what do you think are the disadvantages of, of rapid growth like that, Liz? And, and how do you think people can prepare for that if they are thinking about starting a side hustle or a business? Because I think everybody thinks that rapid growth is utterly brilliant but it does have some drawbacks doesn't it can you talk a little bit about that yeah I I mean 
I always say try and control it, but sometimes you will never know what to expect. Um, you will just never know how customers will react to your business or to your idea. But um, for me, when growth comes, I guess you have two choices. You have the choice to scale back or to get more resource um, or the money that you need to be able to meet the demand. So those are the two choices that you have. But if it's a side hustle, it's very it's very likely that you have to scale back and to kind of slow things down. You know, so for example, if you've created like a product, you have limited orders. So we have this product, we only have 20 in stock and it's based on first come first serve. I mean, there are loads of um, small businesses that do that at the moment, like who share, who sell hair products. So they say that we have limited stock. We're open from Monday to Wednesday, make your orders now, and then they'll be delivered by the weekend. That's a really good way to understand what the demand is and if you can meet it and to also limit how much is coming in. So I guess those are the different things you could put in place to help you, you know, with growth and with demand. But I mean, it's exciting when it comes, but, and you, and as I said, you can never really tell. Um, but I think when it comes, again, you just decide to scale back or you bring in the resource and the money that you need. Maybe it might be hiring someone part-time um, to pick up the business whilst you can't pick it up full-time. And how did you balance for working ladies with your with your other roles as well? Um, I know you've, you've obviously had a lot on your plate <laughs> um, career-wise. How did you um, balance that and, and pivot as necessary? I used to run for working ladies at the weekends sometimes or in the evenings throughout the four years, four to five years that I've run it, it has been different things. So like I said, it started off as the content site. When I realized I could no longer handle that, I scaled it back to doing one to two articles a week. And then we then moved into events. And I realized that for me, that was more impactful. Women were gaining more knowledge there. They were also having the chance to meet one another. So then we scaled back from the content more to the events. And even from running the events regularly, I was like, hmm, maybe we should do one annual event. And, you know, what's another way that I could still create impact, but would require less resource. And then that was the podcast as well. And then also having a newsletter. So I think as well, when you start a business, you'll begin to understand what can work and what can work with your schedule as well. Um, you never really know at the beginning. And I guess that's what business business is about it's about constantly pivoting and finding the best the best way to do things and the best way to um provide a service and you know deliver the product mm. so we're going to come on and talk about your podcast in a bit but you obviously now are a published author as I mentioned um and your book was out last week which is so it's so exciting it's beautiful um this is a podcast Thank so you. no one can see that I'm holding Liz's book up to my camera um, <laughs> but it is I mean it looks brilliant I have to say um it went straight into the Amazon charts on pre-orders um so many people would love to write a book Liz how because uh, I know in your podcast you love to talk about the hows I love to talk about the how as well how did you go about getting a book deal like it seems from the outside to be one of those things that's wholly impenetrable what we hear about a lot is people getting rejections it's so difficult to get an agent it's so difficult to get an editor how did you approach that from the beginning and and how has that played out for you so the first thing I would say is that you have to give people a reason to want to um sign you or 
or reason to want to work with you. Everyone has brilliant ideas. Um, and I even say that at times when you want to move into a different career, so let's say you want to move from finance into PR, why should anyone believe that you really like PR? Why should they give you a job? It could be that you have small projects that you're working on that you can showcase that I really do like PR, even though I don't do it as a full-time job. This is the proof. I've been doing, you know, I've been working with small businesses at the weekend, been providing them with PR skills. So I think it's having something to show for what you truly believe in or want to write about. Um, So I had wanted to write a book since I think 2018 or 17. And I had always written it in my goals at the beginning of the year. And then in 2018, I had then written the outline of the book. Um, And there was this really popular editor. She's quite popular. She's um, I saw her page on Instagram and I sent her an email and said, oh, I'm thinking of writing a book. Um, I run this platform and the book is for the community. Um, I hadn't gone into detail what the book was about. And then she replied and said, oh, your platform looks really great. I just think it needs you need to grow the brand. And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) I was quite upset, actually, when she responded with that. And then she said, check back in with me in two months time. But I actually put it aside and I I respond um, because I felt that people do build brands off the back of books. It's not always brand first, then book. It could be the other way around. Um, So I set it aside and I. I just said, the next time I talk about this book, the publisher is going to approach me. Um, So I just set it aside. And then every year I just kept on writing published book, published book for one of my goals for the year. I continued building for Worky Ladies mid-2020. I received an ask call. And I remember, you know, we were in the pandemic. I was working on the couch. My husband was just the opposite of me. And I literally screamed. And he's like, why are you screaming? I said, oh, I just received an email from HarperCollins um, wanting to discuss a book project. Um, and that's how it started. So they had approached me and the book project was exactly what I had written for the outline for the book that I had in mind. So it moved really quickly because I had already written um, the outline. And, you know, for a business book, I knew how to approach business. So I literally just wrote the steps on how to approach a business. So that was kind of how I wrote the book. But I do think it's possible to get a deal by pitching it. Many people do. Um, But again, I think that the people that have been able to do that have also had proof of the work that they've done around the book um, to show that, you know, this is what I, so for example, if you want to write about mental health, you know, what, what have you done so far? around mental health, apart from having the opinions that you feel needs to go into a book, I think that gives you more of a chance. So if you've started a platform or if you've been maybe working with several mental health institutions or like not-for-profit, so you have a lot of insight and you have a bit more authority as well. I think that helps. Um, Obviously, it's different if you want to write a memoir, you know, why should anyone want to listen to you? So, yeah, I think those are kind of the best tips that I could give in terms of getting a book deal definitely it's good ideas good ideas and um the kind of division between employed work and entrepreneurship is one that I think sometimes is made into being a bigger gulf than it actually is it can almost be seen that sometimes 
working for someone else is a bit inferior. You've obviously balanced the corporate world and self-employment for the last 10 years or so longer. Um, What do you think are the kind of common myths around entrepreneurship that have been that you're aiming to kind of smash with side hustle in process in progress and and also with the rest of the work that you're doing I guess one of the biggest myths is um you have more time Uh, and the truth is you don't well you have control of your time but you know do you know how to manage that time effectively without having a line manager or having a team around you know one of the things that especially if you go self-employed is that you have to be really disciplined and you have to find the best working schedule for yourself and you have to meet it because obviously if you don't um you know your business won't run effectively so you do definitely have more flexibility in the sense that you can work for yourself and work around your own schedule if you know you're not working with other people and you're selling you know if your services aren't kind of contradicting with that time as well um but I think one of the biggest biggest myths is definitely you have more time (laughs) you really you don't have more time you just have the ability to manage it better and decide when you can work I guess another myth is that if you're not working for yourself, you can't be successful, you can't have more income, you know, you can't be wealthy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just think that, you know, working for an organization or, you know, working in the corporate world is a brilliant way to gain skills. Um, And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. You know, I have loads of friends that are in corporate jobs. I think the main problem people have especially women is the fact that they are not being compensated well enough for their work and so what is happening is that they do then want to leave um, and start their own thing knowing that they can invest their time into a business and be rewarded for it the reality is that your nine to five income can only increase what every two years or so or maybe every year depending on how much you get promoted but I guess it's what are you doing with the money that you're getting you could then decide to invest that money into other things such as property the stock market you know so making sure that your money is actually growing you know whereas the truth is if you are an entrepreneur if you decide today that I want to increase our sales by 50 percent you can decide to do that next month and you have to work around, okay, what resources do I need in place? What marketing do I need to do? You can actually change the income level that you have. Um, So that's where the difference is, to be honest. Um, Whereas in a full-time job, you can't constantly be changing your income every month. It's just not possible, but you can decide how you invest your money so that your money grows for you outside of your full-time job and you could have a side hustle as well I mean I have a friend that's on six figures in her job and she has a six-figure side hustle and she plans not to go full-time with her side hustle anytime soon so you know I know that she does several yeah I mean she's got 12 years experience now so she's just literally gone into the role but I know that she's investing a lot of her income into the stock market into other businesses you know so she has that flexibility her side hustle she doesn't need to invest her her day job money into that because it's now self-sufficient to run by itself and she's able to also hire other women which is very important to her so she's able to create jobs 
So I guess it's the way that you look at it. You just have to be really smart in terms of going about how you can grow your money. I do think that um, there's opportunity for whether you're an entrepreneur or you're in your full-time job for your income to increase, but it will increase in different ways. Side hustles. I think often that the other, another common misconception or, or thing that's trotted out is about you'll have no free time. Entrepreneurs often suffer burnout. You know, it's impossible for you to do it all, as it were. How do you balance your time so that you look after yourself as well, Liz? And how do you encourage other people to do so? Because just taking the example of your friend there with two six-figure, with a six-figure business and a six-figure job, it sounds to someone from the outside like that person is just going to be working 24-7. Like, how do you suggest people kind of balance that, I guess? And how do you do it yourself? Yeah, so she reinvested all her money back into her business. So all the money that was being made, she used that to hire people. So she actually has an operations manager. So the the thing that she does really is to just meet with the operations manager on a weekly basis and to communicate what needs to be done, what doesn't need to be done, how things are going, if her sales team are pitching to organizations and you know things aren't going as need be, she will step in and picture the clients directly. What I would say is that you will eventually find through trial and error what works for you. I realized that with time, I didn't want to be working on the weekends. And so I realized that, okay, especially during the pandemic, I just want to work three days a week in the evening. So I created a schedule of this is what I'm doing on Monday. This is what I'm doing on Thursday. And this is what I'm doing on Friday. So you have to also be able to see what you need to do on a regular basis. Once you have an understanding of what needs to be done on a regular basis, you can then create a schedule. So whether it's like send out a weekly email to the customers, whether it's, you know, speaking to the manufacturer, can you put that in a schedule so you're a bit more organized and you have more clarity on where your time needs to be? So I think it's about, um, there's no one answer fits all. It's really un- it's, it's really about understanding your schedule and also understanding what time you can give. And the reality is that maybe in the beginning, you're going to have to invest more time so that in the future, you can invest less time. Um, or you might need to invest more time so that in the future, you can hire someone who can manage the process for you or you're investing more time now so that the business can grow quick. And if you want to do it full time, you can then transition out. So again, I think that it's about understanding your schedule and what your business requires from you. And also just understanding what are you willing to give? You know, it's, it's not, it's not by force. You don't have to give your weekends and your evenings. You, you make the decision Um, You don't have to run the business. If you decide that it's too much for you and you can't cope, you can decide to stop it. Um, I think people have to remember that there's a lot of choice. Um, And obviously your choice comes with, um, with, I don't want to say consequences, but with every choice, there is a consequence. So if you decide to, you know, put in less time, it just might be that it doesn't grow as fast as you want, um, which can be a good thing, actually. So 
yeah, those are kind of my tips. And just finally, just to finish with, but you are a podcaster yourself. Um, you're, you have a fantastic show um, chatting to people, as you mentioned, about, about their own careers and about their growth of business and what they've learned along the way. Ted, do you want to tell us a little bit about your show, um, how you came up with the idea, what you think that's brought you as well is? You know, I would love to chat to women who podcast about what they think it's added to their life and their career. Yeah, so my podcast is um, is focused on interviewing women who are entrepreneurs, um, game changers, people that have created, you know, impact within society, people who are creating products or driving movements. Um, and I've interviewed, yeah, so we've done season one. I'm currently working on season two. The reason why I decided to start a podcast was because I felt it was another good form of content that people could learn from. Um, there's definitely, I mean, the world is always growing and progressing and we're finding new ways to communicate and podcasting, though it's been around for a long time, is now being used as a tool for education. And I just thought this would be a good way for the um, for the community to learn from other women. It wasn't always possible to run events or to write articles. So I thought, okay, let's think about this model, which is to podcast. And I also think that I wanted to share the conversations I was having with these women. There's only so much that you can get from an article um, and articles are always heavily edited anyway, though they're still great, um, great formats, but I just felt with a podcast, you could go deeper. You could also hear the tone of the person. It just kind of felt a bit more intimate. And and you had the opportunity as well to tell a story much better. And so that's why I decided to do podcasting. And podcasting is also a great form, um, a great way to bring on brands that you might really like, that you would want to maybe sponsor or a brand that you might want to showcase to your community as well in a really fun way. So yeah, that was the reason why I decided to start the podcast and it's, it's allowed me to meet so many female founders. I mean, just starting the platform has allowed me to meet so many brilliant women creating so many brilliant businesses that have gone on to impact, not just um, the world, but their customers. And I always feel so privileged to be able to be able to interview someone, especially because they're taking the time out of their schedule. I know that it can take a bit of time sometimes to prepare, especially if we send you questions ahead of time. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love podcasting. Yeah, well, me too, <laughs> definitely. And um, just finally, I always um, open the floor to guests at the end of the podcast list, just to say, is there anything you've learned in your career, any advice you've received that, or things that we haven't talked about yet that you think people would really find useful? I think it's important that, you connect with people and you you have so many different types of relationships and I think that you have to remember that you're not a one-man island I think very early on in my career I felt like I could do everything myself and um, I never really knew the importance of having a network or the importance of being mentored I think I saw mentoring as just having someone really senior to talk to and answer all your questions whereas now I completely see it as building a relationship with someone that is more experienced that's willing to guide me um so I would say definitely invest in building out your network people that are in all different types of fields 
having peer mentors as well as mentors who were more than more experienced and also even try to invest in reverse mentoring. So it might be someone that's not as, as experienced as you, but has knowledge in a particular area. Um, for me, that's like things like TikTok. I, I don't have any interest in it, but it's a definitely a great platform to do like educational content. And so for more Gen Z who are into TikTok, I do ask them questions like, okay, so what's the best way to do this TikTok? I want to talk about this X, Y, Z. Um, and it's just, yeah, I guess it's a brilliant way to understand what a different generation may be going through as well. So networking and investing in mentorship and it doesn't have to be formal you know it could just be that you connect with someone in your um in your office and you have regular conversations you let them know how your career is going you ask them you know advice here and there it doesn't have to be a formal mentorship you don't have to put any tags on it um, and mentors typically don't like that to be honest because it does feel very high pressure at times but um I think investing in my network of, of recent and also mentors has been something that has really helped me. It's helped me build my confidence. It's really supported me through challenging times as well. And I just think it's important to understand that you can't do anything alone. Um, I don't really believe in the term self-made either. I believe everyone has a way of um, helping you get to where you want to go. Um, and they invest in you in so many different ways. Yeah, I think those are two things I really, really firmly believe in as well. So I'm, I'm totally with you there, Liz. And where can people find you if they're interested in what you're up to, what you're doing next? Um, where are you online and in real life, Liz? So um, I'm on all social media platforms and it's my full name, Elizabeth Agabi. And same with For Working Ladies. You can also visit forworkingladies.com um, and you can sign up to our newsletter where we send regular updates on what we're doing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been such a pleasure to chat to you. Um, I know there's been a lot of amazing content and so much useful and valuable advice in there, Liz. Um, I'm super grateful, as you said, for giving up your time for me today. Um, thank you so much, Liz. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure too. Liz's book, Side Hustle in Progress, is available from all good bookstores and I've popped some links in the show notes if you're interested, as well as some links to her podcast, How I Made It Happen. So do check that out. That's all for this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please just share it wherever you can on your own social media. And if you found the podcast interesting or useful, then do please tell a friend because we are always keen for new listeners. If you can find it in your heart to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or give us a shout out on your socials, then we'd love you very much as it genuinely does help other people to find us. We're on Instagram and Facebook at The Skylark Collective and our website is www.skylarkcollective.co.uk. See you next time.